Happy New Year, everybody. Hope Santa Claus came and it was encouraging to your family. The kids are in the room, of course. Santa's awesome. And if you don't, uh, if you're visiting with us and aren't aware of what we did last couple weeks ago, I'm just trying to make myself a little taller, if you don't mind. Um, it's genetics. Uh, we did a, uh, <clears throat> you know, I thought about what everyone, everyone who's married needs during the holidays. And so I thought, you know, that one of the best Christmas gifts to give your children, if you're a parent, is to have a great marriage. It's really one of the greatest gifts you can give your child. Just think about your parents. And, th- and I think about mine. I thought, yeah, I love my parents, uh, but I remember some of the, a lot of scars watching what I thought was a marriage, and I tried to bring that dynamic into my marriage now. And lo and behold, it does not work very well. And so that's kind of the, the thinking behind this. And we, I have two boxes here. One box, as we talked last week, is our desires. So I went to Michael's, and it's the only place where I have to ask for help. Because <laughs> you, when you walk in there, you're, for a man, you're literally overwhelmed with everything. It, it just yeah. doesn't seem like it's in the right place at the right, you know, it just seems crazy. So this box here I picked up. It's our desire box. A lot of hearts are encouraging, a lot of desires. And we have a lot of desires in this box. Desire to be in marriage, desire to get married, what marriage is going to look like. It's awesome. What a desire box. And over here is the expectation box. It's black, it's just plain, it's simple. Hey, do this, do that. I expect this, I expect that. It's a very simple box. It's got one color. It doesn't have a lot of hearts on it. That's why the mortgage company doesn't send you a card after you pay the bill, because they're expecting you to pay the bill. You're doing what's expected of you. So there's two boxes. So we think about this dynamic, and we're calling this I marriage. And the reason why, because we approach marriage dragging along a big I, and that I is us, that I is you, that I is me. And we think about it. I imagine marriage will be like ABC. I imagine, I've always dreamed of marrying a man who will, or married a woman who will, open the door or cook for me every time at 6 p.m. or I, I imagine a man opening the door for me every time he sees me um, you know if you're not married you're, you're thinking about these things you're think you're you're imagining what your marriage is gonna look like and I am sure he or she or you're gonna marry is doing the same thing so we come to this altar with this this box of desires and box of expectations and once we put this on our spouse we put this God-given desire on our spouse, it turns from a desire and it usually springs up to an expectation. And, you know, our desire to be loved, to be cherished, to be protected, to be respected, to be followed, admired, listened to, those are all fantastic God-given desires. But once we put them on and expect them on a relationship, the expectations take the joy out of the relationship. Expectation takes the love out of the relationship. And so expectations make it impossible for you or me to excel as a husband or a wife because I'm merely getting to level ground when I do everything I'm expected to do. You get a point. I think I heard that in the sermon once. One point. One point for flowers and one point for taking out the trash. They're the same thing. I can't believe it. But you're just getting to level ground. You do, the, you do the laundry. Hey, level ground. And then so this, this idea is of expectations is so demotivating in marriage. 
You always feel like you're trying to measure up, but you don't get credit for anything. I shared with you last week, sometimes my wife would say, she, she, I'd come into the house, she says, what do you notice about the house? And I grew up with a mother that cleaned everything. She made my bed till I was 25. She cooked me dinner. Come on, Mom. I mean, you can't ask me that question. Because I'm going like, everything looks, everything looks like, like it's in order. It's good. Look, as it, as it should be. And she was wanting me to point out one specific thing that I was supposed to notice. And I never get that right. So when she asked me that, I say, honey, don't ask me that question because I'm going to get it wrong nine times out of ten. But what I am working on is when she changes her hair, I'm saying, honey, your hair looks awesome. One point. If you want to know where you are in relation to this concept, evaluate the level of gratitude and the spontaneous acts of service that you do in your marriage. Because the bottom line, expectations put you and your spouse in a, we talked about this last week, a debt to debtor. That means you owe me something. I owe you, you owe me, I'll get mine, you, you wait and see, it, it's, I'll, I'll give you a big hug when you give me a big hug. And we start tallying up what you owe me. I remember you said this on our wedding day, so I'm expecting it. And when we place these expectations on the shoulder of our spouses, they live with this nagging notion, I can never do anything to please him or her. And eventually you wear out your spouse. They get worn out and tired. So we ended last week with, what does your spouse owe you? And the answer to that question will reveal your level of expectation. So today, I'm going to answer that question. What does your spouse owe you? But I want to make a quick disclaimer. This only applies to Christians. Those who have decided to be followers of Jesus. If you're sitting here today and you're not sure you're a Christian or want to be one, that's okay. But I want to let you know that we're not trying to put this on you. This is for those who have decided to follow Jesus. Those who have committed their lives to God and they're they wanting the teachings and we're going to give it. But if you're just visiting and you're just here because someone dragged you along, there's a disclaimer. You don't have to pay attention to any of this. Because you have not decided that. You've not made any decisions forward to do that. So just sit back and relax. We're not judging you. The only way to get everything out of the expectations box and in, in back to the desire box, because here's our expectations. We have plenty of them. I have many of these. You have many of these. We all have many of these. And then we have a desire box. And all of these started out in here. But they ended up over here. <laughs> but they started out in this box. Yes. And you felt great. I'm going to get married. It's going to be awesome. And then when it switched to this box, something changed. The boxes started bumping. Bumped so much it affected the PowerPoint. Added titles. There we are. I marriage. So, we dump stuff from the desire box into the expectation box. And then we have a different dynamic in our marriage. That's pretty much the essence of a Christian marriage. A Christian marriage is not one that is run by a Christian code of conduct. 
I've seen people try that. Honey, the Bible says submit. I actually tried that to my shame. We have a Christian marriage, so submit. Nope, that's not a Christian marriage. That's the kind of marriage that makes lawyers and pharmacists rich. It's, a, it's not a marriage where everyone's trying to get everyone else to act like a Christian. I've been there. I've been married 15 years. I've, I've tried this. It does not work effectively. I mean, you can try. If you're, if you're unaware, you can try it. Feel free. I'm not trying to stop you. You have your own choice, your own life. But from my experience, that does not work. It's when you realize that you owe God so much. You owe Him so much that you decided to express your gratitude through your family. You made that decision. I love you so much, God. I owe you so much. and I'm going to express my gratitude to you, God, through my family. Because great marriages are not built around a code of conduct or exchanging of services or even common interests. Great marriages are built around mutual submission. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, submit to one another out of reverence. If we were to stop there, that would put us in the expectation mode. Out of reverence for me. Out of reverence for I. I said, I do. I've been married to you. I pick up your underwear. But it says, out of reverence for Christ. And submit. I know this is a very, right now the women just went, oh, submit, there's that word again. These Christian people. <laughs> Submission. It's a tough emotional word to overcome because, you know, we, we either saw maybe our parents or uncles, someone we admired, and it, it did not sit well with us when we were growing up seeing this word. It's hard emotionally just to kind of, But it says to, out of one another. <laughs> Placing the, the needs, the desires, the dreams of someone else Ahead of I. Look at, the, look at the motivating force. It doesn't say out of reverence for one another. Check, check, you've done this, check, I've done that. Because you promise to. Because the laws of Christian marriage say so. Because they do. Look at that couple. They do it. Or because he's great. Or because he's earned it. Or he can be trusted with my submission but out of reverence for Christ. So we express our gratitude to God through the treatment of the person we married. That's how we do it. And we can say to God, Hey God, how can I say thanks? You love me in spite of me. You forgive me. You've promised me. What can I do for you, God? And God says to, to us, Nothing. Go and do the same for your husband and for your wife. For my sake, not theirs. And the man says, are there any other options? Can I give 12% and just watch the deal? Can I go on a mission trip? No. Okay. Can't do that. And then this scripture. Wives. And he's very specific. Wives. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, women are very grateful for the last part of that scripture. Because that last part of the scripture, it gives us context. 
into the word submit. Now I try to use this submit to me, woman. I'm your husband. You should submit to me. I tried that. I tried saying it gently. I tried saying it loudly. I mean, I've tried all the angles. No avail. Submit as to the Lord. As to the Lord. As you do to the Lord. What does that mean? That's important. Put your husband first as you put the Lord first. If you want to know how committed you are to the Lord, I would just look at how you place the needs of your husband's, his needs and wishes and dreams ahead of yours. That's what it means. You can't do it. You can't do that if this box is full of expectation. Because this box has to be empty before you can do that. And that's what holds us back. Because I expect something. He's not doing what I've expected of him. So therefore, I cannot do this as to the Lord. And that's, what, and that's the scary part. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. It's scary to do that. It is very scary. But Gio, you don't know. But he, I know, he doesn't deserve it. That's the point. He doesn't deserve it. I, I, I want to, to do this out of reverence for Jesus. But we haven't exchanged the boxes yet. We haven't put these back into a desire box. I desire it. It's changed. So now I expect it. And because I'm expecting something and he or she is not doing that, then it creates the friction. Then it talks about husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And here's the context. Gave himself up for her. That's the context. If we just stop at loving your wives, hey, 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 you got to eat. There's money in the bank. There's money in the bank. So my dad would tell my mom, hey, you got food on the table. When I ask for allowance, my dad says, hey, you're eating it. That was my dad. In my dad's mind, that's how he loved us. He provided. I love you. You're eating food. You got a roof over your head. I love you. He would never say it. But it was understood in his mind. That's what that meant. But the context here is he loved as he gave himself up for her. That's the context. Men, to lay down your lives for your wives. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us. Our wives should feel as if we would lay down our lives in order to protect them. That's how they should feel. Even if it meant giving up electronic gadgets, hobbies, going to the gym, God chose you to be a reflection of His love to her. But you can't do that your box is full of these. My expectations. It kills and demotivates that. Because you can make a long list of, well, she hasn't done this. She hasn't done that yet. She sort of did this halfway. It was halfway. So we're going to keep this. Put it back in there. And we keep doing this. 
I'm gonna keep doing this. Because men are about achievement. And when you achieve something, we, we get excited about it. And it, it demotivates. But Gio, she, I know, I know. She doesn't deserve it. That's the point. You can't do it as long as the expectation box is full. So here's how it comes all together. I can't put Karen's desires ahead of my expectation until I get my expectations back in the proper box. Until I decide to put these expectations back in my desire box. I got to put them there. Because I put them in the other box, I can't do that. Because my head is full of what's not being done. It can't be a, a GG marriage or a Geo Garces marriage or it can't be a Karen Garces marriage. It has to be a J marriage. Jesus, Calvary. Because I, because I love you so much. He loves us. So what, I owe you so much, God. What can I do? You can now show your love for me and express your love through your family. That's what we can do. But here's an objection, and it's, it's legitimate. But if I take the pressure off, you know, I got my husband on his short leash, and, you know, I gave him a long leash before, and, you know, he didn't do so good. <laughs> and I gave him this long leash, and I gave him his freedom, and, and you know, he did some bad stuff. So now, I, you know, the, 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 the leash is... Two yanks on the chain. Because you don't understand, Gio. I've tried that. If I take everything out of the expectation box and I just give in, I'm afraid he'll go back to... You don't know what he was like before I got to him and I trained him. You don't know what he was like. I got him back to, you know, being a regular, being the, uh, the God that he is today. I've, hell, I've done that. Come on, honey. Come on. I gave him a long leash. Now it has to be a short one. Gee, I can't do this. Laying down the law or the men in order to control behavior is not marriage. You know what they call that? Parenting. You lay down the law on your kids. Hey, no, no internet for a week. It, you're grounded for two weeks. Lay down the law. Sometimes it's good parenting. But we bring that into our marriages. Now, bueno. Here's the insight. Having your wife on a rope. Guys do it too. Hey, honey, you did good with the money I gave you. So now, I'm going to give you a little more. You did good with the budget this, this month, honey. I'm going to give you a little bit more. Here you go. Have a great time. That's not marriage. That's parenting. That's what we do to our kids. But we like to hold on because that, we think that's going to give us security. Guys do it too. You didn't think you were on a leash of tightrope home women, but you are. And you have them. And it's like this tug of war. And God wants you to drop the rope. Just put it down. But we're like, no, 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 no. If I put it down, then they'll revert. They'll revert back to... It'll be like our first year of marriage. 
parenting model is not a marriage model. You know, your, exper- your experience with this rope is based on your experience growing up most of the time. If your dad ran around on your mother or was very loose morally, and you worked all the time, was hardly ever home, you don't want that, so you have that rope out there. My dad worked like 60 hours a week. We hardly saw my dad. There's a rope there. If your mother ran around, she didn't give you attention, there's the rope. And I want to plead with you to listen to this. What you need more than anything else in the world is what your spouse cannot give as long as you insist on prodding, nagging, reminding, tugging at the rope. You need to experience unconditional love, ungoaded love. And that requires some space. And that requires the opportunity to give before being reminded. To give. That's his desire box. I have desires. And my wife has desires. And choosing to give to them and meet their needs while still in the desire box. While your expectations are in the desire box. If you came out of a difficult family situation, you'll always have the tendency to place on your spouse expectations that were not met in your family of origin. We bring that, we bring the past to the present. And once you do that, your spouse will live with the burden of pleasing someone that cannot be pleased. And you will never feel love because you've removed the margin necessary to love. And your fear will become a reality. You'll be disappointed in marriage. And a lot of people land there. They get disappointed. I've never seen a marriage heal or get any better because someone laid down the law or forced or coerced someone into keeping her or his vows. I've seen marriages healed when when people decided to love each other because Christ loved them first. I've seen that. I've seen them heal when someone lets go of the rope. Whatever it is you believe, that you think your spouse owes you, sets the level of expectation and sets you up for disappointment. And as long as you saddle them with that expectation, you can either give nor receive love. It won't, fe- it won't be felt as love. It's, it'll just be a trade. I do this, you do that. And there's this trade going on. And you exist. And the only way to do that is to get what's in this box to be dumped back in the desire box. Put it in here. Yeah, is he, is he doing everything I desire? No. But I'm going to keep this here. Why? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best and to give to my spouse. I'm going to forget about what I expect and give to them. Give to her. Give to him. Because she doesn't owe me. You owe God. And God says, express that through loving your spouse. 
But she and he doesn't owe you anything. They owe you nothing. But if you walk around with the thought that they owe you something, you create that strain. Set yourself free. It's a better looking box, by the way. It is. It's nice looking. It's got a lot of hearts on it. You can cover up, you can lock it in your heart forever. Or you can have that box, the expectation box. And what, the only way to do that is to embrace that. Because we do owe God, and we feel in our heart, we owe Him something for saving our lives. And what He tells us is to express it through your family. Now, what do we do all, about all the disappointments and desires in this box? Like, I, my box is full of desires. Gio, and don't forget about, there's got to be some level. What? Do I just go on living my life in pain? Because I have a lot of desires, Gio. You don't understand. Oh, I do understand. I'm married. A lot of desires. So what do we do with the desires and our disappointments? And the answer to that will be revealed to you next week. Next week, we're going to find out how to, what to do about those disappointments. So I know you're disappointed right now, but keep your expectations in the desire box for me, please. Until next week. And we'll answer that question.